Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. In this episode, we chat to Nikki Shields, TV presenter. You'll probably best know her as the host and pit lane reporter for the FIA Formula E Championship, the first all-electric racing series. Nikki is a legend, basically. She invited us into her home. We set up base in the kitchen. She fed us coffee and cereal uh, whilst her newborn baby Arthur watched us with great enthusiasm. Uh, We eventually ended up talking all about her career to date, her roots in biological sciences, how she made the move from the financial industry to becoming a TV presenter, and her fangirl experience after meeting David Attenborough, as well as a bit of motorsport chat as well. It's all in there. We hope you enjoy, and don't forget to rate and subscribe. Just search for the Motormouth Podcast on your favourite podcast platform, where you can also uh, leave us a review. And don't forget, you can download the Motormouth app now. You can get live race times, exclusive video content from MMTV, uh, create your own social profile, and check up on all the latest stuff that's going on in the world of motorsport whichever bits you are um, interested in so make sure you download that it's on all all devices so enjoy uh, and this is our chat with nikki so welcome to motormouth episode seven and i'm joined again of course with young harry how are you i'm very well old tim how are you <laughs> thank you <laughs> i'm fine um uh, what have you been up to the last oh, 24 hours yeah. seen you recently. Ooh, it hasn't been that long since we uh did charlie martin of course that was the last yeah. episode if you haven't listened to that if you skipped one and gone to this one i would thoroughly recommend you go back to that yeah, one it, it was um, really, that was one of my favorites it's, yeah one of the one of the best ones we've done yet uh but no, apart from that i've uh just been actually i've been chilling because i didn't really get any time off from uh coming back from the fringe yeah you've so, been a busy boy yeah what about you busy uh, well went camping last two nights oh nice um there's a little campsite near my house so um my wife and the kids have been down there and i i popped in last uh, night before last had fish and chips went there last night and they made me a spag bowl and then i disappeared i had a glass of wine then disappeared went home to bed and they stayed in the they tent on. oh <laughs> Nice enough. Yeah, it was good. But we are, of course, not alone uh, for this episode because we are joined today by the wonderful Nikki Shields. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. I love this idea of camping and just abandoning your children. Well, there is a reason behind it. I didn't just like be grumpy and disappear because my youngest is only one. He can't stay in the tent because he'd keep everyone up. Mm. So I took him home to bed. And the the eldest and Chloe stayed there. there. Yeah, I like that. Volunteering she, yourself. There. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, you had to get back for a podcast as well. Well, well that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're we're in your in your house. We are. Oh, yeah. I'm just oh. on cue. Hello, Arthur. Baby Arthur. <laughs> Baby Arthur's been silent for about an hour. Oh. Yes, darling. Hello. Do you want to join in? He wants. We've he needs got, to be mic'd up. I think. Got a spare uh, mic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure you'd hear much other than. <laughs> Um, but we're in your house in London. It's lovely, by the way. Um, so, Nikki, let, let's just cover off your, your life in about 30 seconds. So, um, a British TV presenter, journalist, businesswoman, car nut, tech fiend and social media star raised in Twickenham. <laughs> Was that a, a, an agreement or a... Are you upset? Should we go and put you to bed? Of course, I would never let my child interrupt my working life. No. Hang on! Yeah. <laughs> Here's a dummy. Go yeah. to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. oh dear me Lovely Right um, So Well we didn't get far um, So <laughs> <laughs> We'll be here at like 6 o'clock going oh, yeah, Exactly <laughs> Jesus Christ Are you all for more cereal? Yeah. <laughs> no Nicky Breakfast is over <laughs> Oh dear um, So um, A little break there While we, we saw to young Arthur Who's now <laughs> Kicking around in his bed <laughs> Bless him, it's 10.30 and he's already gone back to bed. I mean, what a, That's what a brilliant life, life yeah. isn't it? Uh, Amazing. Uh, what <laughs> I, might go, baby. I might go and join him in a minute. <laughs> it was an early start. It, it was, was an early start. Um, so, um, so, yes, um, British TV presenter, journalist, businesswoman, car nut, tech head, and social media star raising Twickenham. And we move on. Excellent. Um, and businesswoman is in there as well. Well, yes. you did yes. have your own business, didn't you? That is true, yes. Which we'll come on to. But um, I think people will know you best as uh, the Formula E pit lane reporter. Um, working alongside the lovely Vernon Kay. Um, a bit more about you. You were a graduate of Bristol University studying biological science. Mm, yes. Very yeah. impressive. My white lab coats, you know. Really? <laughs> no, I love biology, actually. Yeah, Bristol, it was awesome. And our, um, actually, that's kind of how I first started thinking about the idea of working in television. Because really? 
are building backed onto the BBC National History Unit, the NHU right. that produced yeah. all oh. the you know the David Attenborough programs, all the wildlife shows, and we had a couple of. Um, at the time, like marine biologists that came in who had been working on a few of the programs talking to us about, you know, what their job entailed. And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'd love to be involved. Um, but then left university and in, instead of following my dream of what I actually wanted to do, um, a few of my mates uh, had internships in the financial world and they were told me how much money they were earning. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's a hard one to turn down. way yeah. of uh, funding my year abroad that I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so I ended up, uh, doing an internship in the city at UBS um, as an equity finance trader. I looked after the Scandinavian markets God. and at the end of it, they gave me a job. So you, that was it, that. You, you, you looked after the Scandinavian markets and that was your internship? Well, okay, so at the that beginning... That does make you worry slightly yeah. about the British finance system. <laughs> to be fair, actually, that wasn't during my internship. I was sort of on the desk yeah. out, <laughs> writing presentations for important Shields, people. F- fetch me yeah. a tea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then the Scandinavian markets and came then, calling. Uh, exactly. And then when they were like, actually, you're all right. Come back. We'll give you a job after a year abroad. And I thought, well, that's rather easy. I can go on my travels traveled around the world and uh, came back to a job in the city working at UBS doing exactly what I just said um, uh, which was never really part of the plan was that were you like this just isn't for me what am I doing here or was what did you enjoy it so actually I did enjoy it um, I enjoyed parts of it for sure um, and how, then, how long were you there for in the end so I probably well so I was at UBS for maybe about a year and a half and then I got offered a job at another bank um, and I remember I was just sort of signing my new, lovely new contract, and I was really proud. I'd negotiated a whatever salary, and uh, I was on the phone to my mum, and she was like, "Oh, are you really excited about your your new job? And oh, how exciting, you know?" And I was like, "No, no I'm really not." She's like, well, "Why are you doing it?" I was like, "Well, because the money's quite good, you know." She was like, "Darling, that is not a reason to choose a job at your young age, you know. Don't do it if you don't want to do it." And so, literally from that phone call, I was like, "Good point, mum." Called them up, said I'm not doing it. God, and then wow. I had no idea what I was going to do. <laughs> Bold move. Wow. Yeah. God, that's brave. Yeah. Um, well, it was, you know, you know what it's like going into, I shouldn't, I shouldn't criticise it because I've got my, many good friends and, and obviously I was doing it for a, a short time. But uh, it was just a little bit depressing. Yeah. Um, going up into Liverpool Street every day, working in that kind of environment. It just wasn't really for me. I mean, so, for some people, that's what they want to do. And that's yeah. fine. You know, some people like the security of that sort of steady paycheck, good Stable job, job yeah. good yeah. career prospects. And it's not for everybody, is it? I mean, when I'm sort of, you know, in a few years time, unemployed <laughs> yeah. and broke, You'll be cool back. I'll be like, damn it, I made the wrong decision. Yeah. <laughs> but until that point happens, it was 100% the right decision. I don't regret it at all. So when, and, well, how did it come about that you went on to start presenting in, you know, things like Supercharged, Gadget Show Live, escape to the country and so on yeah so it's one of those things that everyone always asks me it's like how do you get into television I genuinely still have no idea yeah. um, I, well actually this is sort of a bit of advice I guess I've given to you Harry yeah I know you basically just have to meet network get yeah. involved get your finger in as many pies as possible and just start exploring and opportunities will slowly come your way yeah um, and I really just sort of threw myself into that I'd meet anyone that would be up for taking a meeting with me I'd just chat to them try and get advice um, apply for various things and just slowly I kind of built up enough experience to put a showreel together and then once you have a showreel yeah you know that's your sort of CV in the presenter world then you can start you know actually sending that out to people and people take you know take you a little bit more seriously and um, to be honest I think probably the first like, big break for me was um, uh, a lovely agent called Sally she got me a job with presenting Escape to the Country. Yeah. And I think that, because suddenly then being able to say that you're doing, you know, a big BBC sort of daytime show, um, changed things. So was that your first gig? That was my first proper gig, yeah. Pretty good one. Yeah, I know. Everyone wants to present Escape to the Country. I I think no matter what age you are, everybody always wants to present Escape to the Country. you know what? You know, I I did, you know, I I didn't even do a full series. I did, you know, a few episodes. Um, And... 
still they repeat those episodes yeah. and the amount of people like particularly actually friends that live in the states i think they repeat them on a channel in the states yeah. quite a lot and i was like oh nikki you're back on the stage of the country oh, i've seen this episode this is great you know they absolutely <laughs> love it um i would hate to watch it back now because i bet it would be absolutely awful <laughs> Yeah. It was your first gig in TV. It must be yeah, so exactly. nerve wracking as well to do. And then looking back on it, you hope you've improved oh, a little bit. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but obviously, motorsport has been in your blood. Your yes. dad was a uh, a big motorsport fan and used to take you down to brands and so on to see the racing. Exactly. Did you always think when you started television, I love Escape to the Country and this is great, but I feel I want to go into the motorsport world? No, not at all. I, so for me, motorsport was a hobby. Um, and I loved watching it. I loved, you know, going to the races, doing, you know, a bit of racing or driving if I could. Um, but I, it never really crossed my mind that I should work in this space. You know, as a young girl, I genuinely thought I was going to be a Formula One racing driver. Well, you've got up. a racing license, haven't you? Um, I do, yes. Um, and I, but I, you know, I genuinely thought when I was little that I would be an F1 driver. And then I sort of got to a certain age, I was like, oh, you know, that, that dream's probably not going to become a reality, is it? Uh, but I never really contemplated working in the space. I Because I did biological sciences, I thought, you know, for me, working in the world of television, I would stick to kind of what I knew, what I'd been trained in, I suppose mm. you could say, um, around kind of science and technology. And, and that's what also interested me. Um, so basically what ended up happening was I did a series. Um, it was a sort of sustainability series. Um, it was all around, there was this big expedition happening um, to the um, to the Antarctica and we were doing lots of kind of spin-off stories around climate change and global warming and a lot of sustainability stories and one of the pieces I did was on the future of the electric car oh, okay. and and that's how it all kind of started I did um, a couple of interviews with various people one of which was with the guys at Renault and they told me they were part of this racing championship formula e hadn't been announced yet but they were working on it and they explained what it was obviously you know racing around the world and city centers in electric cars and i mean if i'm completely honest the first time they told me about it I was are like, you mad nah. that's not gonna work that's never funny. gonna happen what do you mean there's no sound there's no engine noise there's no smell of the fumes it's like no good luck <laughs> and so i didn't think about think about it too much and then i did sort of go home and thought well, because they did a quite a good sales pitch, you know, they were explaining how fast the cars would go and obviously the, the acceleration with the, you know, 100% torque. And actually, I thought, well, okay, actually having a racing championship that does actually stand for everything else that I'm working in at the moment around sustainability and zero emissions and, you know, helping to clean up our act. I thought there might be something in this. And uh, yeah, as I said, the rest is history. I then sort of got in touch with Formula E, who put me in touch with the production company, who were um, looking, fortunately, literally looking, looking for talent, like virtually that day. I mean, Wes, the, the director of the show, because that's who I emailed, he said, had I emailed literally 24 hours later, it would have been too late. So the they stars were, aligned. Were, yeah, exactly. Wow, that they, is the right place, so, right time or not. What is it? Can't yeah, we, it seize the day. Yeah. If you want to do something act on it don't procrastinate which is my middle name most of the time no I, I, I'm totally with you I think I think so many people don't move like, mm. as in, like don't get up and move and yeah. take and, and don't wait for opportunities to come, to come to them but get up move do something and find the opportunities will happen. yourself exactly yeah. so did you did you meet Alejandro before you started the work yes so he was in so basically I came in so then the, because it was obviously they had to do quite a quick um turnaround in terms of because they were about to confirm the talent so I went in for a sort of an initial meeting just with a couple of the team and then it was like right come in tomorrow and you'll meet the whole team and that included Alejandro so just explain to the listeners who Alejandro Agag oh, is so Alejandro Agag is the uh, well Formula E is really sort of his brain you know his brainchild he was the one that um pioneered the, the entire series he is a fantastic entrepreneur, businessman. He, if it wasn't for Alejandro, I really don't think Formula E would exist how it does today. And a big character, um, huge character. Yeah, he's brilliant. Uh, he's it's quite sad actually because he's moving on from yeah. Formula E. He's um, stepping down as CEO. He's, he's stepped into the position of chairman, but he is going to do what he does best, which is to start another company, Extreme E, which is this new championship that will start in twenty twenty one all electric SUVs going yeah. to the most extreme conditions yeah. in the world again. 
a ridiculous idea. Never going to work. But everyone's nah. going to be like, what? If it wasn't Alejandro as the CEO, I, I would really doubt it. <laughs> but with him behind it, 100% it's going to happen. So it's going to happen and it will be a great success. Mm. Have they found a new CEO for Formula E? They have, yes, which will be announced in September. Okay. Yeah, and he's coming along from another sort of, he's a sort of big um, sports background. Big shoes to fill. Yeah, big shoes to fill. Yeah, a real character in the pit lane, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, he will be missed. I'm sure he'll be popping to some of the races, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And during your time at Formula E, you've obviously travelled all around the world, seen some interesting places. Formula E has gone to some very interesting places like Saudi. Yeah. What do you think has been your, your favourite country on your travels? Uh, do you know, I do get asked this question quite a bit and I still don't have an answer. <laughs> um, it's so difficult to say. I would say in, in the first year we went to Moscow, which was epic because we raced around Red Square, the Kremlin, literally our TV compound backed onto the Kremlin. You know, we had security guards around our TV compound. Um, you could see St. Basil's Cathedral about 50 metres from where we came out of the, you know, media centre. So in terms of like, absolutely iconic locations that was just ridiculous yeah. you were right in it you could feel the history exactly yeah. and and racing around and and also you know as you say to be in somewhere like moscow with the history there uh, so that was really cool and um, but then we go to some wicked places like uruguay punta del este where you race and the tv and um, well tv compound and also the pit lane backs onto the beach so we do all our driver interviews on the beach that's pretty cool worst places then to do it yeah. you know Paris you race around the the sort of um, Les Invalides which is the tomb of Napoleon Arthur oh. Check Arthur Check oh dear Arthur Check is still awake um I might go and shush him to pause to pause quick pause pause the line Arthur corner. pause uh, <laughs> <laughs> Arthur watch Arthur watch complete complete right. um all set all set so, uh, so obviously traveling around the world to all these amazing places is pretty cool. But actually, I think what's quite different for you is that you do the CNN Supercharge show as well, which does that give you, is that ni nice to do? Because it gives you a bit more of an opportunity to actually experience the culture of the place you're at as well, rather than just at the racetrack. That's the only place you go. Exactly. So the, the, the brilliant thing, obviously, when we're doing the Formula E race, a lot of the features that we film are at the racetrack and obviously you have race day and and the day before for shakedown at the racetrack so so doing supercharged which really the point of supercharged is to tell all the stories around the city or around the country um, that has to do with um, sustainability or um, sort of tr transportation stories so they take you away from the track so for example i think one of the best stories we did um actually we were talking about it earlier, was going to the Bonneville Salt Flats to go for Speed Week where Venturi, one of the teams, were trying to set the electric land speed record, um, which was just incredible to go to a place like that. Uh, again, a place where there's lots of history and uh, just to see a landscape that is just so vast yeah. and so unlike anywhere else on the planet. And then we've done things like uh, going to the world's largest solar farm um, before the Marrakesh race, or we've gone to um, uh, where they um, mine. What are we doing, Jenny? What did they mine? Oh dear. In where? Chile. <laughs> copper. I was thinking lithium. No, copper. So we went to the mines in Chile after the Santiago race where they mine copper. And it was just, again, like just all these incredible stories yeah. that you don't get to see at a racetrack. Yeah. Do, yeah. You, do you remember when uh, I got left in charge of doing one of your supercharged shows? in Berlin. Oh, with Steph. Yeah. Yes. Well, Steph, so I, I followed you around for a few races because we've done a lot of work together in the last couple of years. And uh, Steph, who produced the show, had to go home for the second Berlin race and left me... I, I was 20, I think, 20 years old, in charge of producing you and the second show, in charge of the cameraman, telling him where, what to do, where to go. She gave me very strict instructions what to do with like the SD card and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> had to write links with you. Do you that was like, the most scariest moment I've ever had, I think, doing really? being left in charge of a, of a CNN show. I mean, show. I'm going to say, of course I remember it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you've done so many <laughs> since. Well, I remember it stuck in my head and I was like, bloody hell, I've got to do this. <laughs> it's a CNN show. Did you sink or swim? I think we just about swam, yeah. yeah. Nikki, God, Nikki was there, yeah. Exactly. I'm sure you did an excellent job. Oh, absolutely. God, no, that, that was one of my favourite memories of doing this, that CNN oh, show for a little so bit. Yeah. yeah. But it's a really good show. Oh, it's great fun. It's always mental, though, because 
we try and fit in you have we're creating a 23 minute long show which i know doesn't sound like much but to film all of that in we normally do it in two and a half days is a lot yeah in and around everything else as well and all the travel exactly you know it's not like it's all in one location um and different features different people so the logistics of it is always crazy but it's always wicked amazing so what are you looking forward to in the next uh, season of Formula E um, uh, how do you see it going who are the hot favourites what's going to happen yeah well do you know what I think it's this sort of season six is the season that we've always been talking about because it's the year that Mercedes and Porsche join yeah. and so suddenly to have the big four you know BMW Audi Mercedes Porsche all in Formula E together now that is pretty cool yeah. and all of a sudden Formula E not that it hasn't previously but is you know a step above the rest it's being taken very very seriously um and i think now we've got to that point where it's no longer this sort of fledgling championship it's been going for quite a few years now uh, the, the rate of there. improvement and yeah. just visually as well is is astounding to see what they were like in season one. Oh gosh yeah if you yeah. look back at some of the programming in season one you think what is this yeah. um but it's got you know more investment more sponsors bigger brands uh, bigger driver names uh, it just feels like it's kind of graduated now and you know this is the time if you haven't started watching it this is the time to start watching it and the racing is is still I mean that is the one good thing that has been through and through with Formula E the racing has always been entertaining very it's close. always been very competitive yeah. wheel to wheel lots of contact packed. exactly yeah. you very rarely have a dull Formula E race which is why we love it so much um, okay, you might miss out on, on some of the other sensory parts to it that you might be used to in other f- formula racing. But I think the racing just supersedes all of that and you don't worry about it so much. So I think we're going to be in for a very another very competitive season. What was quite interesting about season five was we talked about it being the most competitive season yet. And I think we got to ace race eight and we'd had eight different winners by that yeah. point from, I think, six or seven different teams. Um but very interestingly, uh, the cream always rises to the top. It was still Jean-Eric Verne, Lucas de Grassi, Sebastian Bremi battling it out for that championship final. Yeah. And Jean-Eric Verne was crowned champion. Um, however, this season, season six, I have no idea what's going to happen once you bring in you know, the likes of Mercedes and Porsche. How cool is that, though, that you don't know what's going to happen? Because yes, we're so used to true. F1 going, oh, here we go. It's going to be Mercedes again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Is it going to be Lewis or is it going to be Lewis? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, look, Lewis won. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just getting a little bit tiresome. And people, I don't know, people feel seem a bit down on Formula One I at the know. moment. There's a lot of negativity around it. And hopefully the 2021 rule changes will improve things. Definitely. But I'm still, sure. you sort of think, Oh, you know that Mercedes are going to turn up and, and boss it. Do you think Formula One can learn anything from Formula E as it currently sits? I mean, it's really difficult. I mean, Formula One has obviously changed quite dramatically since the Bernie days. Yeah. You know, just their use of things like social media, fan mm. engagement. And, and that has been a massive improvement. And you've seen how they've really turned things around. So, I, you know, I think that's brilliant the way that they, they have done that. Um, in terms of the racing, I mean, there is only so much you can change, obviously, with budget caps coming in. Will it make that much of a difference? I'm not sure. Um, but Formula One is the sort of the, the pinnacle of motor racing. It's what everyone aspires to be. And Formula E is very different in terms of what it stands for. I mean, Formula E, if you look at the budget, it's nothing in comparison to what Formula One spend. Um, Formula E stands for, well, zero emission motorsport, trying to bring it into cities. Um, It's trying to help manufacturers develop their electric powertrain, um, whereas obviously Formula One is, is, again, is is quite different. So can they learn from it? Yes, I mean, some things they can, but at the same time, the rules are different, the drivers are different, the teams are different, the places they go are different, the tracks are different, the fans are different. So there's only so much you can take Mm. from it. I find it interesting with Formula E, I think we've spoken about this before, Harry and I, that a lot of the younger drivers coming through now, historically, people have been like, where do you want to go? I want to go to Formula One. That's all I want to do. I've got my mindset on Formula One. Now it feels a bit like some of the younger drivers are starting to say, actually, I want to be in Formula E. And in my past, when I used to manage racing drivers and we'd say, right, let's look at where we're going to place you next and and the route to Formula One, a lot of them would say, no, I don't want to be in Formula One. Mm -hmm. I want to go into Formula E. And it seems like it's a more achievable, more affordable, um, and with the younger generation who are more green savvy, 
perhaps a better place for these young drivers to be going. Absolutely. And also, I think the beauty of it is all the drivers on the grid are paid drivers. Yeah. They're not paying to be there. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, was a very important thing for Formula E. And now that they do have this incredible calibre of drivers as well, you know, if you look at the grid, there are a lot of former Formula One drivers. Yeah. You've got world endurance champions, uh, British touring car champions. You know, there is a real um, sort of diversity, mm. but it is an elite group of drivers. I think the danger might, at one point might have been that perhaps people saw Formula E as uh, a Formula One dr- reject driver sort of um, safety ground where they could go in there and yeah. do all right and that would be nice. But I think actually, although there was a danger that maybe two seasons ago, now you look at someone like John Eric Verne, who was never going to do that great in Formula One being a, in a mid-tier team, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the whole Red Bull drive programme, well, that's a whole other story. But the fact that he's, as you say, cream rice to the top, yeah. He's consistent since he first started in Formula E. When he was it first team was Virgin, wasn't it? Uh, uh, Andretti. Andretti, and, and he ne- and he yeah. won, didn't yeah. he? And uh, uh, oh he no, nearly won. Pole position. In yeah, that was first. in his first in his yeah. first race, and now just being crowned second uh, champion twice. Yes. And it's not like oh, Jean-Luc Verne champion again. He had to fight for that as well. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So um, also there's there's you know F1 drivers who have come across you know like Massa, and he's fighting. He's not like walking. No, and he, and he, hasn't, he hasn't walked it at no. all. No. Exactly. No. Um, let's talk about female sport. So we we've yeah. um, we've done a lot with females lately. Weirdly, we've had um, really? well <laughs> <laughs> in in a kind of professional in a podcast, in a podca- professional podcast <laughs> so, way. So yes. we had uh, Charlie Martin, obviously, a couple of days ago, two days ago on the podcast. Yep. Before that, I'm we were over. forward to listening to that. It's really good. It's a really good listen, actually. It's, I mean, we don't know we do it, but it's a really good listen. <laughs> we're, we're fantastic. We're fan. We're big fans. Big fans. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then pr- uh, prior to that, we were at the w-, w Series at Brands, um, which was my first experience of W Series. But w- women's sport, as we said to Charlie in the last podcast, is really flying at the moment. It seems to be in a really good place. W Series, again, another championship where you can go and actually get paid to race. Um, and, you know, the winnings there are incredible money. for, you know, these, these yeah, young ladies who are, who are... Jamie Chadwick walking home with half a million half dollars. A mil. Half a million dollars. Thank you very and much. you don't even need to use it. I'm sure she will. But you don't even need to use it no. towards your racing. No. Career. And the money trickles down all the way. You know, yeah. that, that everyone that competed in that that did relatively well walked away with some cash, which is brilliant, which is how it should be. It's a good model. Um, but what are your thoughts on um, W Series? We, we were super impressed by I, I agree. I was at Brands as well, and uh, it's the only race, first race I've seen. I mean, I have been watching it on, on Channel 4, which is also brilliant. I didn't yeah. manage to get it on t- Channel mm. 4. Um, I think so. I, there's always been a lot of debate and discussion. Is it a good idea to have an all female um, racing championship? Now, I've always been a, a huge supporter of it. And I remember, I mean, I'm, I'm mates with Susie Wolf. Obviously, she's in the Formula E paddock, and she won't mind me saying this, but we sort of, she is very much of the the um, mindset that it's fine, we shouldn't. Women can race alongside men in Formula One or in other championships. And I, I personally think all you need to do is give these girls opportunities. So I worked um, in a karting championship, Formula Kart Stars. And, you know, the younger ages, there are a few girls in the, the sort of, you know, I don't know, between, I think there were between the ages of about six and 12 there are a number of girls competing and then just progressively as they get older the girls drop off and it's nothing to, well it is a little bit to do with their um a numbers game i suppose because at the end of the day if you have more then the probability are you're going to have the top performers in that yeah but um i think it's really hard for girls to suddenly spend all their time at a racing uh, track at a karting track between those ages when all your other girl mates when all your other besties are doing completely other things it takes quite a strong character quite a strong individual quite a strong young girl to say actually i don't mind spending day in day out with a bunch of blokes like at the end of the day do you really want to spend when you're a 14 15 16 year old all your time with a load of quite immature boys probably not therefore you know the rate okay it might be to do with talent as well but the rates um will slowly drop off so i think giving them a platform where it's all women together let's do this let's support each other let's be strong it doesn't matter what kind of um character you are as a person what 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 matters is your character as a sports person you know I, I'm determined, I'm competitive, I can show that I can do the best on a racetrack. And just 
be around women to support each other you rather put than forth be a that good argument. minority yeah. and then I think once you start having that then you naturally have more numbers you know more females yeah. the, the numbers are higher therefore you have more talent yeah I think I'm kind of with you I mean when, when it first came out um I wasn't sure. Like I, I was sort of 50-50, like, do we really, should we be segregating it like this? Yeah. You know, we want to make sport inclusive, but it's just the right way to do it. But having seen it, like you, having experienced it at Brands and seeing how good the racing was, for one, seeing the interest in it. I mean, Jamie was like Lewis Hamilton in that paddock. Yes. You know, the cameras are all over her. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, it helps. She is also awesome. She, she is, is awesome. a lovely, lovely girl. She's great she's in front of camera. Fun. You know, yeah. people like her. Um, there's little kids there, you know, aspiring. And I sort of feel like in, in 10 or 15 years, this will be the, this is the trailblazing time. Mm-hmm. And all these young kids will come through and you'll have, hopefully, like you say, numbers, big groups of girls who yeah. aspire to be racing drivers. And some of those hopefully will break through because really there's no physiological reason why a girl can't drive an F1 car as quick as a, mm. a bloke. Sort of. Although at the same time... W- there's no reason why a woman can't do the same rounds at Wimbledon as a man does, and yet it's different. Yeah, uh, it's the same with so many sports. You know, what, why are we? What, what, what's the difference between football? What a man can run faster, or you know, what, again, why don't we have mixed football? Why maybe rugby because men are a bit bigger? I don't know. I think yes, when you put a racing helmet on and you're on a mixed grid, you can compete against each other, but at the same time. If there are physical differences in things like tennis and football, why would the physical differences between men and women not work in motor racing as well? Yeah. Um, uh, it's a fascinating subject, isn't yeah. it? It's something you could talk around oh. all yeah. day. So, well, as someone who, well, you've actually one of the only few select women who've driven the Formula E car yes, as well, haven't you? Because you did, true, you drove yeah. that, how, what season car did you drive? It was. Oh, God, Harry. A few years yeah. ago, wasn't it? Now? It was the. It, it was, was the testing, wasn't it? When was it? Season, end of season three? three? I think I it think was it season was. three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how, so, how was that experience? Was that your first time in uh, a, a racing car and a single seater car? Oh, actually, no, I've been in a Formula 3000 car. Um, which is pretty cool, did that in Abu Dhabi. But that was the so first time in the Formula E car. And you did a couple of laps, didn't you? I uh, did. Yeah. Did a couple of laps at Donington, managed to overcook it in one of the chicanes. Oh. Awkward. But I just like to say it shows I was pushing. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> but it was, when, it was in the Virgin car, I had to sort of say, Alex, did you, um, did you see that entire lap? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Of, yeah. Yes, I did see you go to the gravel, Mickey. <laughs> oh, right, okay. It's fine. <laughs> um, but it was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I mean, obviously, I only did a couple of laps, mm. so I couldn't really tell you the, the, the physical differences. The outs, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I found it amazing. I didn't find it that tiring, mm. but I was probably going incredibly slowly. <laughs> did, was, was the, was the instant drivers. speed weird? Because obviously, you've driven the, the Formula 3000 car, which is fast. I've yes. driven one of those as well. As well, having yeah. an engine, yeah. Yeah. well, what's weird is that you can, you've got no engine noise, of course, but you, so instead you can sort of, you can hear the sound of the wind and you can hear yeah. the sound of the tyres, yeah. um, but there's no sort of noisy engine mm. noise, which would normally dominate in that situation. So it's actually bizarrely quite peaceful driving around. Serene, um, like so a exactly, Sunday afternoon potter. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then the instant acceleration is awesome because yeah. you do just feel instantly quick. And I mean, for me... <laughs> It's just hysterical having your head bobbing around um, because obviously, you know, the faster you go, there's that sort of suction. Your head feels like it's being, li- or the helmet particularly. Feels, feels like it's like coming it's, off. Exactly. It feels like being the lifted G-force is being, yeah. out of the, um, of the cockpit. And actually I'd spoken to, um, I got I got a few tips, I think, from Bruno Senna before. I was like, so anything that I should be aware of? And he was like, don't worry if it feels like your helmet's being pulled off from your head when you're diving down the straight. I was it's, like, it's quite a disconcerting okay. feeling. Normal. It really yeah. is very disconcerting if you're not prepared for it, fortunately. Uh, I've got a question about Formula E that you might be able to answer. Uh, why don't they give the cars a sound? Has, has this oh, been discussed? It has been discussed. You can't. Yes, do. imagine. The, the you, thing is no. that they do have a sound. Exactly. That's what people. Yeah, that's yeah. the misconception. Exactly. They have that a sound. Is, yeah. But imagine if the sound was like 
a yeah. What uh, would you? What, what kind of sound? So you, you know, in Star Wars, Wars, you've oh. got you've got the um the what are the baddies called? Darth Vader's lot. Like, not like pew pew pew. Yes. <laughs> uh, imagine that noise flying around. Like twenty of those. It certainly <laughs> turn a few heads. One thing actually, when I so when I was in the <laughs> literally when I was so in the you show them shooting at each other as well. <laughs> oh, that, have you seen the videos that formerly do though the Mario Kart style? Know, if exactly. that was real, that would be insane. They should yeah. chuck some bananas on track and things. But when I was in the pit lane, if they're still and they come out of the garage because they go from nothing to and the, the sound doesn't kick in it feels like until maybe it's slightly too late if you're crossing the pit How lane they sound Harry can you do it they sound like an aeroplane about to take off go on no oh, no I can't do it <laughs> no, well, you should know then go on no I can't do it no thought about it but they do they go from nothing to that was good that's no that's like that's like a normal car clearly um but they do like there is a sound so you don't you know it's a sort of whooshing sound which i think sounds like an airplane about to take off yes i mean they say it's i think they say the sound is about 80 decibels which is about the equivalent of a road car it's not much is it so no it's not like super loud you don't need you don't need to wear your ear defenders i'm standing by it's it's not going to sort of you know drift past you and no, you're, you're not going to be unaware yeah. yeah well I'm going to propose to the new CEO that they should sound like the Millennium Falcon <laughs> or Tron <laughs> um, on a flipping it on its head slightly from a broadcast perspective how have you found being um, sort of your your journey through through motorsport have you ever felt you come across certain barriers and that kind of thing working in what is defined as perhaps a man's world um, to be honest not really I mean uh, I think when I first came onto the scene, um, I'm sure I'm not going to name any drivers, but obviously, Go like, on. Oh, oh, there's a new pit lane reporter in town. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's try it on here. Uh, but I quickly squashed anything around that. I was like, yeah, I'm married. See you later. <laughs> do you want to do an interview or not? Uh, and so I like to think that I quickly earn their respect. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's now just great fun. Um, I I mean I I haven't really struggled. I think that's because although we have had a couple of female racing drivers as well, by the way, in yeah. Formula E, not not this season, but we had Catherine Legg and Michaela Truti and Simona to Silvestro, yeah. exactly. Um, so there were a few women. However, there are also loads of wicked women behind the scenes. I mean, obviously. The shop front for for any racing championship is the drivers, but behind the scenes, it's actually not okay. Particularly in some areas, it's not far off a fifty fifty split. I mean, my CNN producer Steph Blendis, she's awesome. She's a woman. Um, Just to clarify, <laughs> exactly. All my half my production team um, yeah. in Formula E are female, so it's not like I'm sort of the lone ranger on the grid. Um, yes, okay. I suppose there are more men in the more traditional roles like the mechanics and the engineers and the team principals and the drivers, but there is also um, some wicked women in the behind behind mm. the scenes. I suppose in those more traditional roles like marketing and PR yeah. um, and event planning. But again, that is slowly changing, which is good to see. So I don't feel like I'm sort of completely in the minority. And um, no, I think uh, once, you know, we showed the Formula E drivers a few ground rules. <laughs> Show them who's boss. Put the marker exactly. down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Talking of the drivers, you obviously spend a lot of time with the drivers. You interview a lot of them. You probably spend a bit of time outside of the track with them when you're when you're at the races. Who would you say is who's the character? Who's the who's the funny one? Oh, who's do you know? So you will you can't leave uh, without smiling when you're chatting with Antonio Felix da Costa. He is just such a lovely bloke. So easygoing. Always good fun. Always smiling. I mean, we had some really tough, tough times uh, this season for him after a few of the races. And yet, despite everything, you know, I think there was even one moment where he was virtually in tears at the end of a race. And yet he still did the interview. He still put a brave face on and he was still, you know, a lovely guy to chat to. So he's he's always a good one. And I mean... They, they call themselves Jean-Dre, Jean-Eric Verne and Andre Lotterer. <laughs> Bit cheesy, guys, but, but they no, have a great... no more. No, I know, no <laughs> more. Yes, Andre Lotterer is off to Porsche. Um, but uh, they have a great relationship and, uh, yeah, kind of wind each other up quite a lot. So if you were sort of looking at teammates that have the most fun, it's the Tachita boys. Yeah. 
Um, what do you, were you, um, I'm assuming you were there when there was that big outburst from a uh, post race from Sebastian Bohemia and it was all caught on camera and it was all, he was having a proper go at a couple of the drivers. Were you not there for that one? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. my memory fails me on that. Do you remember when that was? Oh God. Uh, it would have been season four. Yeah. Do, what, do those kind of uh, memories stand out for you? So if you have a big, if you look back at the last few seasons, what would be a, a big moment for you? I mean, for that, me? I think, I, so I'll never forget. I think it was in Monaco. So um, a couple of years ago, it, was, it would have been season two, I think. Well, maybe season one. Um, season one, uh, Lucas Grassi, Nelson Piquet Jr., oh. the Brazilians, hate mm. each other. You know, they've been battling against each other for years since they were kids through karting, through through Formula One, through Formula E, um, really do not like each other at all. And they just, during qualifying, they basically sat next to each other, but with their backs turned against oh. each other and would just completely ignore each other. And I sort of, you know, <laughs> and it was at quite a critical point in the championship. It was the year that actually um, Nelson Piquet Jr. won, but Lucas was very much in the running and uh, tried to speak to one and they're just bad-mouthing each other. Just like, well, if Lucas hadn't done this, well, if Nelson hadn't done that. And it was just like sort of two, two little boys bickering in a playground. <laughs> but um, are you, at that point, are you thinking, oh, how am I going to navigate around this situation? Or are you, you thinking, make this, it worse, is, or? this is TV gold, keep going, this is amazing. Yeah, sorry, Lucas, sorry, Nelson. TV, TV gold, gold, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My career's going great. More, more of this. I mean, there have been some awkward moments where I'm the one that looks like the idiots. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, but all for the good of the television show yeah. but that's going to happen isn't it because yeah. you're, you're it, being in the pit lane and you know seeing the drivers immediately as they've had a, um, had a crash or you know something's gone wrong and they're in a bad mood oh, and you've got yeah. to grab them and that talk approachability is something having watched you do it is a skill to master yeah absolutely it really is just like Please, am I going to get away with putting a microphone in front of your face? No. I, actually, it was that. The Antonio Fitzcos one, I just felt so guilty because he just, he'd thrown away the race and it was his fault. And, you know, it could have been a one-two sort of race win for mm. BMW, one of their first races of Formula E. Um, and he did virtually cry in the interview and I just felt Did so you want to give him a little cuddle? Yeah. He was yeah. hiding between sunglasses. But at the same time, I also wanted to say, Camera, get closer, get yeah. closer, show the tears, he's crying. Oh, the fickle presenter. <laughs> zoom in, zoom in. <laughs> zoom in, see the tears, the teardrop. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> um, Moving away from Formula E, well, not too far away, we're, we're relatively friendly with the chaps over at Robo Race, so we've done oh, a little bit, bits and pieces with them. So Ollie, Ollie, uh, Ollie Walsh is, is a sort of friend of Motormouth, and we've spent some time with him and done some filming with him, actually, and he's quite influential in their trackside stuff. Yes. So he's told us an awful lot about how these cars work, work and um you know what their plans are for the future and you know the the, the setup of the races is fascinating stuff yeah. and the personality of the cars as well a lot of people have a bit of a downer on it and what, what are your thoughts on on robo race and autonomous racing i mean obviously i think the first thing when when it it was sort of um announced it's like oh, autonomous racing oh my gosh the the driving uh, sort of the, the, the career of drivers is over oh my god this is a disaster what are we going to do um obviously Racing will always exist with racing drivers in the car, but it doesn't mean that you can't have another racing championship alongside it to yeah. complement it and yeah. to showcase this incredible That's technology. The key. Yeah. You know, we are going to be living, uh, as sad as it is, there will come a time where all the cars yeah. will be autonomous. I mean, I, it's, it's a long way off. I'm not sure whether we're going to be around to actually properly see it, but it will, it will happen eventually. Um, so obviously, this technology is amazing. It's relatively new. There's a huge amount of testing that needs to be done around it. If we're going to have autonomous cars on our roads, why would we not have autonomous cars on our racetracks? Yeah, yeah. And what Robo Race are doing, they're the first guys there. The car testing looks awesome. Yeah, they're testing. What, and also what's brilliant is um, the way that they're going about it as well is it's a brilliant way for kind of students to get involved, for yep. engineering students to, to understand how they develop algorithms, how they develop the technology and the software. So it's a, just a fantastic opportunity for everyone to get involved. Yeah. Um, and it's a sort of showcase to the world of what can be done. And I think it's a really interesting space to be in. Um, I don't think at the moment they quite know how they're going to showcase it, whether they're going to have races or assault courses or... Um, yeah, I mean, you've spoken to them more recently. Well, I, I spoke to Ollie about it and he said um, one of their thoughts was, and I don't know whether they've implemented this yet, I haven't actually watched any of their, their testing and whatnot, but was to have uh, half, the, half the race is a driver, 
in the in the Red Bear Race car and then they get out and the car drives yeah. off oh. which is cool because it nice. a, it gives it, it gives you that sort of I've, I can cheer someone on and Ollie was saying that you know once the driver gets out then they are like go on the car go on you know because all the cars have their own you know you've got different budgets going into different cars yes. so some cars are going to be more developed than others some AI or some algorithm is going to be better than others and you can really get behind the car yeah. it's weird <laughs> but I think you summed it up it's a complimentary series like if it runs alongside Formula E that's fine people should just treat it as a bit of fun that's, that happens on the side not necessarily expecting it to overtake anything like Formula 1 or Formula E mm-hmm. it's a complimentary series it's yes. a bit of a laugh Definitely. it's so showcasing amazing technology just, just treat it for what it is and and the cars without the drivers look ridiculous they're they amazing. Are very cool although wouldn't it be a scary world when they do actually take over yeah i know i know that, <laughs> but, but it might surely not be must long. always be there surely is going to always be the option because i like driving so surely yeah. no would yeah, you not want that surely there'll be an option which go oh you can take over you'll if press you want. a button and or, your wheel will come out or would it be, so, no, would it be too is, dangerous if everybody it, else is autonomous i think it's a kind of all or nothing situation yeah. because oh, no. um if you look at the way we drive we're you know you can't predict the way you're going to yeah. drive um, particularly the way Harry drives, not good. Terrible. It's a nightmare. I drove here once. It was oh, horrific. Nice. <laughs> I've done it again. No, I got the tube in. So consequently, I think it is going to have to be like all you know. In certain areas, all cars will have to be autonomous. Yeah, like city centres and work. stuff. You have yeah, to be yeah. Autonomous. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter. Trying to predict what we do. Too unpredictable. What's, what is your um, your dream road car currently as it stands? Oh, so you, you're you're obviously you've got your you well you've traded in your, oh, your BMW i8 sad times issues. you've had that for a couple of years haven't you so I have finally become a responsible adult and parent and I have traded in the much loved BMW i8 which I have had for a few years and I just got the Roadster as well oh. um, but I have changed that to a very sensible and wonderful car as well don't get me wrong um, X5 yeah they're good cars it's a great car actually we were, we were stuck in traffic there was a big cycle ride happening in London the other weekend and we were stuck in traffic and we were just like, oh, this is awful. My husband's like, yeah, but we're in the X5. It's five, yeah. I don't mind sitting in traffic in this car. Yeah, yeah they're, fair enough. They're nice. They're luxurious, aren't they? Really mm. And big old tyres. The only bummer is when you go to the petrol station and you have to remortgage your house to, to fill it up. But Can you've I, got the i3 still? Yes, got the i3, which um, is awesome. And actually just came back from Brighton. Drove to Brighton um, yeah. and back in? on a single charge. No, really? Yes. That's impressive. And we were, we were four up, well... Two up and two babies with buggies and all that. Uh, Talking to babies, do we need to do an Arthur check? Oh, Arthur check. oh shall I do, have a look at the monitor? Take the monitor. Oh, oh. oh. Still asleep? Oh, oh, passed out with his arms oh. in the air. Oh, oh. boy. Oh. a boy. Oh. Arthur, Arthur check. check. Done. Complete. I think that this is a, a good segue into a little competition. Oh, a little, oh is it game a, time? A little quiz. I don't like losing this. This is called <laughs> Motormats. <laughs> got music and everything although this is all the set music that came on it okay nikki so you are the uh, third person to take part in motor mount uh, and basically i've got four radio four team radio clips for you and uh we've chosen formula e clips from the last season latest season uh and basically uh, there's three points up for grabs per per bits team radio so you get one point for naming the driver that said it one point if you get where they said it and another point for the context of it if oh you could get so in I'm total yeah so in, you've got seven to beat Bobby Thompson a British touring car driver he is in the lead uh, seven points with seven points Charlie Martin is second with five so you've got seven to beat how many uh, rounds do we four four so? and okay, it's out of twelve twelve up the so okay. let's get the first one on for you okay so this <laughs> is the first one I think you'll fly through this yeah but I'm stopped at the moment because it's destroying the bodywork Okay, copy. Hold. What do you want me to do? Wait here or just drive back and destroy the bodywork? I will give you information. Okay. Turn the car off. Race is done. Yeah, okay. This is for sure from the first lap, guys. First corner. It's a disaster. Yeah, copy. Unbelievable. Another short race, guys. Sorry for that. Quite a long one, that one. Yeah, it's funny because I thought it was Sam Bird at first, but it's not Sam Bird. Well, you're on the right British driver. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go with Gary. Oh, good yeah, start. Yeah, that's one in the bag. Uh, um, now, where where do you think that was? Uh, the problem is Gary's had quite a few. It's been uh, up and down, yeah. down, mainly down season. Uh, <laughs> so, oh god, it's a tough one. First corner. Do, 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 do. 
What do you think has happened to the, to the car, to him? Oh, if that helps. He, he has gone into the wall. Uh, uh, oh, did someone go into him? Well, that, I think it was an amalgamation of that and a failure. Oh, should have been listening more. Um, it was a bit of a long one. No, any guesses on, on where? Your time is ticking. We need a ticker on this. We do. Yeah, that's the next thing. Okay, I'm going to go with... Mexico City. Oh, oh no. Marrakesh. Marrakesh. Damn. Yes. Oh, we, uh, for a second, uh, I'd say that's not bad, but you're not going to get the point. Um, point. And point. he retired uh, because of a tyre puncture, oh. uh, which really wrecked the back of the, the oh. right rear of his car. Um, so, well, you got one in the first round, so that's not too bad. Uh, this is number two. Super slow lap to the grid, like a granny. Quick get like a baby wipe for the, uh, the dash, just, uh, just got some like, oil on it or something. Genius, I love that. Oh my god, um, that is genius, and oh god, I, ca- I can't listen to it again, can I? Go on, we did play it, it that's a short one. Like, oh, that's such a really yeah, go on, it's a short one, so we'll play it oh. again. Here it is. Super slow lap to the grid, like a granny. Quick get like a baby wipe for the, uh, the dash, just, uh, just got some like, oil on it or something. Like Alex a yes, love it. Alex Lynn, that's one in the bag. Uh, Sorry. Where, um, where, 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 and what's he going on about? Uh, so he's got some oil and needs some baby wipes. Yes. <laughs> uh, where was that? Oh, Hong Kong. Oh no, oh, it, was, it was. Oh no, it wasn't. It was a New York race one. Oh, so that, okay. yeah, that's the tough one. So that's two points on that one. Uh, right, number three. Can, can I do it oh. tonight? This is when I do my caveat. Oh yes. Where I don't get the team radio in my. Uh, yeah, fair, yeah, fair point. So basically, just <laughs> to anyone listening. Uh, so when the team radio comes on, um, actually the commentary that I listen to cuts out and I don't hear it. <laughs> All I'm hearing is excuses. Um, I hear the voices, so... <laughs> Number three. What the f- did he do? Seriously, I mean... Uh... That's... I'm, I mean, I'm guessing that's, that's, that's John O'Byrne. Yep. Uh, is it on with the Andre Lotter incident? No, Damn. it's it's uh, another another incident. By we talked about the other driver in question uh, not too long ago. Oh, Sam Bird. No. Oh, not within the game. All right. Um. Oh, and Tony Fields to Costa. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a very famous racing dad. Come on. Actually, lost his Formula E drive halfway through, um, or left, depending on how you wanna. Uh, Label it. We were talking about him earlier. Yeah. Big oh, oh, Nelson. Yeah, there we go. No, he's not. Um, oh, confuse me, guys. Sorry. Uh, so, uh, do you, now I said Nelson, do you know what the incident was? No. No? All right. So, that was uh, in Mexico, where basically people. Just, all this season? All this season. Oh, okay, and I know you missed the last few, but say. that's no excuse. No, that um, no I, uh, I was going to say there have been so many incidents over That is true. But if it's just this year. Um, so, that was when uh, basically PK just went straight into the back, back and clambered over uh, Vern. But you got Vern, so that is one point. Right, final one. I think you're doing quite well. Doing very well. No, I'm going to be the last. I need to beat Charlie at least. Okay. I'm going to get two points on this round. All right. Oh, no. Final one. This is... Mm, yeah. Okay, let's see how you do. Mm. Yeah, so the idiot is out. Roland is out of, this, out of his mind, really. Harsh. It's a harsh one. Did he say Roland is out of his mind? Yes. Okay, can I just listen to it one more time? Yeah. Yeah, so the idiot is out. Roland is out of this, out of his mind, really. Um, I'm also having a completely mental block. Oh my god, you know the voice is so familiar. What accent do you think that yeah. is? Oh god, this is so annoying. Does staring into the garden help? <laughs> <laughs> Emotionally staring out the window. <laughs> Where's she gone? Oh god! Oh my god! Oh, can you just play one more time? Okay, one more time. Last time. Last time. And just a bit of microphone technique, Nikki, uh, just to remind oh, you. There we go. Come on, you're the presenter. Yeah, so the idiot is out. Roland is out of, this, out of his mind, really. 
I know that if we, t- if we tell you the oh, nationality, no, 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 she doesn't want any tips. Charlie was having them left, right, and centre. Oh my god, I'm literally going to have to go down team by team. Oh god, this could take. You're a while. currently. Shall I make a cup of tea? Yeah, another one, another bit of cereal. This is driving me completely. That cereal was lovely. You need at least one point in this to get to match Charlie. I can't cheat, can I? No, you cannot. Oh, total, total. Do you want it one more time? Total mental block. Well, I think if, if you focus on the nationality, I think that will that'll nail it down for you. It is a tough one. It's, I, oh my God, I'm just having... I think we're going to have to call it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, it's, he's German. Come on. So who the, oh God, it's Daniel. Yes, Daniel at. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could... I'm going to give you half a point. Oh my um, gosh. Can you, uh, based on that, can you have a clue about what he's talking about? I think the clue, you can get that point quite easily. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with, was it an incident in Berlin? No. Oh. Right, no. Um, an incident in uh, Rome? No. Uh-uh. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh Harry, you're being very generous. Okay, here. so Harry. it was in Hong Kong, so not even close. Uh, and who was he talking about? Oliver Rowland. Oliver yeah. there we go. So, um, oh, in total, tense. at the end of that, uh, oh, Nikki, it started out It start, started out well. So you got one, two, three, four. So you got five and a half, oh. which puts you second, second on the leaderboard. Bobby's still in the lead. Bobby Thompson in oh first, Nikki Shields second, Charlie Martin got, third. We got a, uh, Have we got a clap? Go just try it. No. Oh, go on. I don't deserve a clap. Oh, but you do deserve that. that. Yeah. That was fully deserved. <laughs> Thank you, Nikki, for playing oh, Motor Mouse. Thanks, guys. Five and a half uh, on that. We'll add you to patience. the leaderboard. No, that's all right. We, we are, I'm, I'm generous. Daniel, have one. You know, in your brain's like, I know that. I yeah. Know it. Uh, we do still have a few more questions for you, though. Okay. Um. So, where do you uh, see yourself in 10 years? Oh, where I have absolutely no idea. What actually? Maybe oh, yeah. retired on a beach something oh, like that. Oh, lovely. On a private island. That sounds nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, just off the I mean, back of that, though. Happen, but you never know. <laughs> well, off the back, if that could happen, if you got, what would where be your would dream TV? Be? Where would your private island be? What would be your dream TV show to do? If someone said, <gasps> have at it, any channel, any show, any idea, TV presenter's dream. What what would it be? Oh, it's. I mean, that is such a difficult question because I re. I genuinely, it's funny because my friends are always like, "So what next?" I'm like, I quite like one day now. What do you mean, what next? It's like, well, you know, obviously, where do you want to go next? I'm like, I really enjoy formula. I know yeah. it's not necessarily like you know, strictly come dancing that gets 12 million views on a Saturday night. But I love it. Yeah. I love what it in- involves. I love the travel. I love the um, the sport. I love the people. I'm really like sort of, I don't know, I'm sold on it. Well, I why move? Why yeah. I mean, and it's an exciting period. It's a growing period. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a very hot It must hot be nice topic. to have been with, with it from the very from beginning, the beginning exactly. and grow yeah. with it. Well, the other question is, oh, well, are you trying to do Formula One? No, I like watching Formula One on the television. I love working in Formula E. So Formula One came calling and went, "Listen, Nikki, come on, we've got, a, we've got, we've got, so get Ted. We want, we want, we want Nikki's notebook. No, oh well, that's I, got a ring to it. Hasn't it? I at the moment, I am not done with Formula E. No, I am. Um, I still feel, and, and obviously, you know, I think it's it would be very difficult to to leave a championship and then try and come yeah, back to it. Yeah, and yeah. at the moment, I still I'm still just as excited about oh, it. Oh well, that's great. No, that's really nice. Started. So, um, what are you rubbish at? <laughs> Cooking. Really terrible. You've got you've got your uh, husband. Very good. <laughs> yes, it, I'm very good at going out and buying food. Not so good at mm. buying. Do you get a lot of takeaways? Deliveroo. Um, do you know what we do? We love. Uh, we <laughs> love is gusto. Oh. They send you. Oh, oh is it? Is it like Hello Fresh? Exactly. Uh, Hello Fresh. Better, better recipes. Oh, really? Gusto. Yeah. I'm going to write that um, down. So they basically we get three meals of those a week. They send you all the ingredients in the nice little packets. Um, and it means no food waste um, and it means they give you the recipe step by step guide and they're good recipes they are good recipes yeah I can do those it was, Hello Fresh went through a phase of, of gifting those uh, those oh, boxes yes, so, so we did it then and I did it and I followed them to the to the letter yeah. and they're seriously nice they were good but they got boring after a while though yeah well there's a lot of repetition uh, yeah well that's, that's so good so and is it good range. good money what, like price yeah, wise about or five, five quid a meal I think oh, that's not bad at all what would you say to any 
any um and you, i know you've said it uh, to some young people before about wanting to be presenters they're all very annoying but what would you say to young you know particularly female pe- uh, females who want to be presenters in motorsport what advice would you give yourself back back in when you were younger um, coming I would out of uni say, um uh don't take any shit <laughs> good advice um, if you want to do something you 100% can the amount of people that have said to me, or do you know the reason? I tell you why I did not go into television and working in sort of science broadcasting when I first left university, because people told me it was too competitive. And I was like, oh, well, if it's too competitive, I probably won't get a job. Why bother? Absolute rubbish. Yeah. If you want to do something, you can make it happen. And if there's something that you love, something that you're passionate about, it might seem tough at the beginning, but eventually with a lot of hard work, maybe a relatively amount of few knows along along the way um you can get there and once you do you do not work a day in your life yeah mm. i do not feel like i go to work i yeah. love my job i love everything i do that's what i mean i've got a three-month-old baby and i went back to work after eight weeks i mean i'm not back at work full time i'm only doing bits and pieces but i love what i do i think that's a really good message yeah it's so easy to listen to external voices who say you can't do that you can't do this it's a competitive market space and what you have to train yourself to do is listen to the internal voice that goes i don't care what they say i'm gonna do what i feel is the right thing to do and that makes all the difference and do you know what those people that say you probably can't do it look at what they're doing do you want their job are they struggling are they happy with what they're doing possibly not because they've doubted themselves I think you just have to, which is really hard, and don't get me wrong, I spent years, like, sleepless nights, you know, being freelance, self-employed. It's tough. It is. You know, I went through years of sleepless nights, worrying, fretting, stressing, what am I doing? Am I going to ever get another job? Who's going to employ me? Can I pay my bills? Blah, blah, blah. But you just have to keep going yeah. and keep believing and it is really hard but it, eventually you get there and I'm not so even saying you know it's super easy now you still there are always still worries but I think that's the same concern with any job and yeah. that's just life isn't yeah it? I think the, the route that you've chosen is never going to be a smooth it's not easy straight line yeah. it's going to be wobbly it's going to go up and down it's going to be all over the place but it's so rewarding in so yes, many ways exactly. um, I, I, and I, I would say actually just to shout out to you for balancing all that as well and also I come along when I was like two years ago and you gave me the time of day and you responded to my relentless most emails. Wouldn't, most wouldn't. My, when most wouldn't. But you responded to my, you gave me tons of advice, introduced me to all these people and that's that's just, as well as doing your own job and, and making your way up there as well. So that, you know, thank you for that. Oh, uh, that's my pleasure, <laughs> No, but I saw in you a hunger and determination and... Uh, there, so I wanted to kind of help, huh. and 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 I can see it now. Even you know, you're really determined, and you know, you you you're out and about. You're meeting people. You've maybe taken a bit of my advice on board. Yeah, a little <laughs> um, bit, um, and and it's working for you. You know, oh. you're and hosting the hits radio and on behalf of exactly yeah. and the Motor Mouth Ooh, Podcast. I'm sorry, and the Motor and Mouth Podcast. Strong facial hair. <laughs> strong face. That's really come on in the last few years. It's actually, really, the facial it's hair looking yeah. really good. Thank you. I do spend a lot of time on the beard. Um, <laughs> Got to look good for face for radio, TV as well. Uh, Harry, don't do yourself down. You're a beautiful man. Oh, thank you, sir. Um, no, Enough listen, about me. There's um, before before Arthur wakes. We've got um, three three final questions yes. for you. Well, three and a half. We do. We ask these to all of our guests. Ooh. The final three. Um, I sort of tended to do the first one. Yeah, right go for it. Tim? Yeah, crack on. So the final the final three and a half. Um, what has got you excited at the moment? Can I say my baby boy? Also? Of course, of course you can. I love him. Yeah. He's great. It is exciting. <laughs> Parenthood is an exciting so, adventure. Yeah. A tiring <laughs> one, but an exciting one. Um, if not racing, what would you be doing? Um, I definitely something around marine biology. Yeah. Yeah. Whether presenting or diving, or I read a. Yeah. Uh, I don't know whether it was the Hello um, interview or something else where you met um, David Attenborough, oh. and that and that was the first person you'd met that you were literally like, oh my god, I can't cope. This is too much. I cried. Mm. I. It was awkward. He's a hero. It was really quite. You didn't cry in front of him. Unfortunately, not in front of him. But I was like, oh my god, David Attenborough. Okay, so I was. I would say not that professional while speaking to him. I basically, you know, when you Fan get girl. starstruck, I never understood that. I was like, well, it's fine. You know, you can speak to anyone. I got complete mind blank. I think I think I said something really pathetic like, 
well done or something really it's like as if just big well, oh, done, done, well done on everything you've just, yeah. <laughs> you just, you just been up on stage talking oh anyway horrendously cringe completely starstruck couldn't say anything and then afterwards and also cringe obviously asked for a selfie um and then afterwards absolutely I crying i was just like oh my god he just completely took my breath away yeah. and you know he has made such an incredible mark on my life and I'm sure, hopefully, I think millions of other people around the world. Absolutely. What he's done for, you know, we talk about, you know, climate change and global warming and sustainability and the plastic problem and so many things. He is the one that has given the limelight to all of these issues. 100%. And it's going to be a sad, sad day when he is no longer presenting mm. those shows. And, and well, he's he, still going strong, isn't he? I, I mean, he, incredible. He is unbelievable. Yeah, he's yeah. amazing. Uh, so yes okay um, we have covered this a little bit already uh, how much of your success is about luck and right place right time and how much is down to just sheer hard work um, I think don't get me wrong it's always you've got to the stars have to align and being in the right place at the right time it's got to happen but if you're in lots of places lots of times then you're going to be in the right place at the right time yep. and I think that's where the hard work comes into it if you make sure you're working hard and you're in all those places then it's going to happen hopefully sooner or later. Also, you've got to have, you'll be vaguely good at it. Yeah. <laughs> if you realise you start out on something, you quickly, I, you quickly get found terrible. out. You do get found uh, out if you don't yeah. know your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. you do. Final question for you. What are you scared of? Oh, same, same as Charlie. Yeah. Which and is, all of us. <laughs> which is quite embarrassing because obviously biological sciences, oh. I did a lot around the natural environment. I still just don't like spiders. And you know what? I actually prefer tarantulas to like the little small house fast ones. Because they move quick and garden you lose spider. them. <gasps> it's the jumping Hit ones. The garden spider. <laughs> also, I think it's because when I was a child, we lived quite near the river. So our house used to have a lot of like scary spiders in it. Chloe, my wife, got stung, got bitten oh. by a uh, false something or other spider yeah. a couple of weeks ago. No, they're really they're caused really major damage. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In England, yeah. Huh? She, she her Where, leg on her leg oh, on her leg. Yeah, horrific. Yeah. Was she Nasty. asleep? Yes. Yeah. Actually. And, and uh, talking of being asleep and being was bitten it in the by house things. Or were you um, no, it was in the house. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. They know where it's safe. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we, we woke up uh, once on holiday. I can't remember where we were, and we found a scorpion um, claw in our in our bed. In the. Oh, yeah. What do you do in your bed? What do you leave like food hang, at the end? Hang of out it? with scorpions. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> do you scorpion claw. Where end? was the rest of the scorpion? I don't know. Probably crawled inside my mouth or something. Oh. Don't, don't you, sw- you swallow like eight oh. eight spiders a year, Rubbish. don't you? I don't believe. I don't. That. I don't want to believe that. that because I just think that fact is a complete lie. Because Why? surely during the time, at some point, for that to happen, you'd need to see a few spiders in your bed. When have you ever seen well, a spider climb across your bed? Yeah, but you're asleep well, in bed most of the time. Yeah, but they it's wait not like until they you're asleep they come and then out at night time. Yeah. Wow. And you'd have to sleep with and your then, mouth open. And then it's not like they're just attracted to the bed, they'd be nice. in your mm. room. I don't know. I'm telling myself that anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's been amazing. Thank you yeah. for hosting us in your lovely home here yes. in London. Thanks for the coffee and cereal. Well, I didn't cereal, have the cereal, but yeah. Tim, Tim certainly did. helped himself. Yeah. I'll get the eggs on in a minute. Yes, please. <laughs> that's, well, that's lunchtime, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> no, Nikki, you're a legend. So thank uh, you so guys. much for talking it's been to us. Great. Um, Thanks for having Arthur on as well. Absolute pleasure. Your hero. Anytime. How can people follow you on all your social medias? Oh, it's very complicated. It is at Nikki Shields. All right, there you go. You've got to spend, spell Nikki right. N-I-C-K. Oh, but you get that all the time, don't you? The wrong Nikki. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, well, shall we, uh, we'll leave it there then, shall we? Nikki, yeah. thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you. Adios. Thank you so much for listening to episode seven of the Motormouth podcast. We really are getting through them. Thank you so much to Nikki as well and baby Arthur for giving up their time and their kitchen. We'll be back with another episode very soon. And we've lined up uh, some pretty big name guests coming your way. Uh, We're not going to reveal them just yet uh, because we haven't confirmed them, but they're interested. So this is one to watch out for. Make sure you click that subscribe.
subscribe button so you know when our next episode is out and available. And also, if you missed any of the first uh, six episodes, um, you can view them now on whatever podcast platform you so choose. Now, I realise I've actually been listing every single person we've done, but as time goes on, that's going to get quite long. So, uh, we've got some really good guests lined up. Our last episode with Charlie Martin, the first transgender racing driver um, who wants to race at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. That's the last one we did, but there's still loads more, so make sure you go check them out. If you like this one, please do rate and subscribe uh, and review if you feel so inclined. It really helps people uh, to find the podcast and it helps us uh, boost up in the you know the Apple and all that algorithm thing. It really helps us um, and it helps us help you. Simple. Uh, and you can follow us on social media as well if you so wish. On Twitter, we are at Motormouth underscore Instagram at Motormouth underscore official uh, and on Facebook, just search Motormouth. But in the meantime, from myself and Tim, have a good one and we'll see you next time.